Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Most of us don't think about critical illness plans until it's too late, says my guest. And I think that's a very important point. You don't think about insurance for cars at the point in time when you're crashing. You need car insurance. It's not an optional. You know, you need one as long as you have a car. We have a body, but we don't think about critical illness plans, many of us, until it's too late. There was a DBS study that revealed over half of respondents say investment and insurance are equally important, but they would prioritize investing over insurance because they believe there's lower cost of entry when it comes to investing and they think investments are more important and they look at insurance premiums as opportunity costs. But as we age, maybe it's a good idea to consider critical illness plans. Not maybe, it is a good idea to always be thinking about critical illness plans. And what are the plans out there? that can cover different types of illnesses and the stages associated with them. What are sort of the riders available for you here in Singapore? Elijah Lee is the financial services manager at Philips Securities. He's really passionate about this topic and he joins me live today. Good morning, Elijah. Good morning. Great to have you with us. Okay, let's start with the basics, okay? Critical illness coverage. How much coverage does one need? Okay, so critical illness coverage is basically... A kind of insurance whereby if you are very sick, it provides you a sum of money. And this is in liquid cash, right? So you can choose what you want to do with it. So this liquid cash, really how much you should have, it's very dependent on the individual. So um, there are some rules of thumb. You sometimes hear about people saying that, oh, you should drink eight cups of water a day. So that's a rule of thumb, right? You've probably heard that one before. So some rules of thumb floating out there. Life Insurance Association, if I remember correctly, has stated that you need about 3.9 times your annual income in critical illness cover. But personally, I feel like it's more of meeting your key expenses because if you are sick and you're out of work, the household still needs to run, right? So family cannot fail. So you need to make sure there's at least enough to cover, I'd say maybe five years of expenses at the minimum. And of course, you want some money for treatment costs that aren't covered by your shoe plan. Remember last month when I was on the show, we talked about the shoe plan that didn't cover everything. Mm. Yeah, so that's a rough guide. But the actual numbers, I'd say you should sit down and work it out with your financial advisor. Yeah. Okay, so rough guide, three months, did you say? Uh, five years of expenses. Five years of expenses. Okay. Yeah. If it's really, really, if you're really, really sick, it might take some time to recover. And why five years? My view is kind of like if you are fighting a critical illness, in five years, you should have won. <laughs> if you didn't, it means the critical illness has won and we all know what that means. Right. Yeah. So okay. five years would be a good benchmark in my view. Uh, and of course, money for treatment. But everyone has uh, different views, but you know, sit down and work it out. Because all your numbers are unique to you. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. You know, you, you may not need the most that a, an insurance agent, for example, would, would bring to the table. Five years might be enough for you. Three years might be enough for you. You make the call for yourself in terms of you how long call, you yes. think you might take to recover from a dread illness and how much, your, how much support your family would need if you were the breadwinner in that case. Correct. I started by talking about how this is something that people don't, think about until it's too late. It was a point that yes. you shared with me. Is this something that you see with uh, people you know? 
Yeah, actually, a lot of times, um, okay, so insurance is very unique, right? It's one of those things that if you want to buy it, you can't buy it anymore. Most likely, you're in a position not to buy it more. But mm. when you need it, you know, but if you don't need it, mm-hmm. meaning you're healthy, you know, most people go around saying, I'm healthy, why should I need insurance? That's actually the point you can get it because you're healthy. But if you're not healthy and you're like, mm, I better make sure I protect myself because my health isn't, you know, in the best state, there's a chance that you can't get it anymore. So that's, that's the unique thing about insurance. Other things, other material items, oh, I want to buy a new TV. Yeah, you want it, you go and buy it and then it gets shipped to your house and you install it. Great, but you can't do that with insurance. Yeah, you need it. Most likely, you can't get it anymore. Okay, what do you think about people in Singapore, how aware we are when it comes to critical illness coverage and what are the sort of plans available here? So the thing about insurance is uh, really this is a presentation I came across and if we look at it, right, the idea behind critical illness coverage is that you are a tree. Everyone is a tree, okay? So if we chop off the top of the tree, as long as we have income, we can rebuild our assets. Am I right to say that? But if you take away the roots, the strongest tree will fall, no matter what. Mm-hmm. So income is actually the root of this whole idea of critical illness protection. And actually, you can see here that critical illness coverage is really the ability to create you know, that amount of money when you need it so they can do the following things, uh, live the life you are continuing accustomed to, your family, take care of expenses, focus on fighting with fight, so on. So if we talk about critical illness, it's really to me, income protection and because income is really the most important variable here. So there are some types of, there are quite a few types of CI plans. In fact, the market is always evolving. So we've got some plans that are playing out in the purely in the event of early critical illness and then some of them, they pay, they are a rider to a term plan. So you may uh, see term plans that pay out in the event of death, that's to protect liabilities, but sometimes you can add a rider that will cause the plan to also pay out in the event of a critical illness. We have multiple critical illness. This is getting popular because people are worried about recurrent critical illnesses. Mm. And then we've got hybrid term whole life, which is a little complex. I'm going to show a diagram later to explain it. And then we've got some plans that are simplified underwriting. So it's, they ask lesser questions and you can actually get about easier. These are usually for people who may already have certain chronic uh, conditions and may face a little bit of a, of a challenge getting critical illness coverage or at full scope. Lah. Okay, that's actually very helpful that you might already have some sort of illness and you're not going to be completely excluded. There are plans that could cater to you. There are plans. Yes, correct. So plans, of course, there aren't that many. But for example, some of the plans do cover diabetics, for example. Yes. Yeah. So there's there's some hope for them at least. Because previously, if you had uh, diabetes, I think it's really, really, very very difficult to get critical illness cover. So you have diabetes, um, depending on the type, of course, but there are some plans that can cover you. What is multi-pay, so this, critical, oh, multi-pay critical illness is you're paid out different times, right? Yes, Pure early critical correct. illness is early stage of the disease, you get a lump sum. Yep. Term critical illness, can you, can you elaborate on that? Okay, sure. So term critical illness, okay, so most of the time you have a term plan. Let's say you, you have a house or you have some dependents, you mm. buy a term plan covering yourself in case you pass on, right? So let's say you buy a $1 million term plan. So if you die, that's $1 million to the family. Now, um, the question then becomes, what if you fall sick and you're not dead? So if you are critically ill, the term plan doesn't pay anything still. You have to die before the plan pays out. 
But if you add a rider that covers critical illness on top of this term plan, which is normally allowed, right, for most insurers, then you actually get the payout when you're critically ill. Mm-hmm. But take note that such plans, they only last for a certain um, period of time. So let's say today, okay, say I'm 38 today. I'm 38 this year. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's say uh, I have a house, I have kids. I want to make sure that if I pass on suddenly, there's a million dollars for my family. And as long as I am, as long as I pass on before 65, then there's that million dollars. After 65, you know, my house should be paid up, my kids should have grown up. If I pass on, you know, there's no financial impact on the family, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So if I bought a term plan and it's only on death, then of course I have to die to claim that one million. But if I added a rider, okay, and say, for example, I added a rider for 250,000 critical units cover. So if I get critically ill, I get that 250,000 of this term plan. But it does mean that when I die, the remainder that goes to my family is 750,000. So you can add riders in such a way. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Now, for people wondering, I have a new member of the family. Should I be thinking about critical illness for them? What about my children? What about if uh, my mom is a housewife? Who should have critical illness coverage? Okay. So to answer that question, actually, I would say um, almost anyone is probably in a position where they might need critical illness cover. So let's take a kid, for example, mm-hmm. right? So if you have a kid, okay, you have a new a new addition to the family. Now, let's say something happens to your kid, touch wood, but uh, let's say it happens at the age of five. If the kid has a critical illness plan and it pays out, actually the money is not for the kid, but mm-hmm. it's for the parents. So that the parents have the option to maybe even take a year off work to be with the kid. Mm-hmm. There's something that a lot of people don't realize because I have seen a case, it wasn't my client, but the kid, I think, was three years old and had leukemia, right? And the father loved the kid so much that he quit his job for a year to look after the kid and, you know, be with the kid during this fight against leukemia. But can you imagine the income loss to the family during that period? And it was very, very tight. So they really depleted everything. Fortunately, the kid actually um, recovered, Mm. right? So that is something that a lot of people do not think about. You know, some, sometimes, okay, I did mention that critical illness is for income protection at the start, but you must remember that sometimes the income you're trying to protect is not the kid, because obviously the kid doesn't have income, it's more of you. If something happens to your kid, you, you probably want to take time off, but if you don't have the financial resources to do so, then you might end up juggling working and taking care of your kid, and that can be really a tremendous strain. So that's for children. Now you asked about housewives as well, right, Michelle? So mm. I'm just going to share my own experience here. My mom uh, had a kind of a, a stroke last year in May. Mm-hmm. And actually, it wasn't very serious, fortunately. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that during that period, it was really quite taxing. We, Me and my brother, we were trying to juggle going to a hospital. And now, of course, when she recovered, we brought her back. And there were a lot of times that, you know, we had to spend time with her, make sure she's fine, bring her for follow-ups. Yeah, I'd say that um, if I could have the ability to just take one month off work, I'd do that. One or two months off work, I, I, I would have preferred that. But I had to juggle. And the reason is because my mom's critical illness, that stroke, was not severe enough to trigger a payout. But I'd rather have that, of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, glad so, to know your mom's yeah. okay. It's been a year and she's all right. It's been a year. She's all right. She's, she's all right. Good. So really, you can see that CI cover isn't just for people who earn an income. Generally, those who earn an income would think about it, but there are scenarios whereby even if you have a kid or you have a housewife, actually a CI cover is still pretty important because when you need it the most, uh, you don't want money to you know, be that barrier. 
Absolutely. Are there things that we should be looking out for when trying to understand these plans? There's so much fine-tuned, you know, minutiae, fine print, I mean. Are there some plans that cover more than CI and should we be looking out for certain benefits, for example, Elijah? Okay, that's a very good question. Actually, when it comes to critical illness plans, it's really not an apple-to-apple comparison. There are plenty of differences between critical illness plans. So, for example... Uh, the score of coverage of critical illness plans. So let's say I'm looking for a critical illness plan and I'm on the market. And this is a comparison I did for a client. I can see that there are plans that actually cover different number of conditions. And on top of that, you can see that there are so many plans that out there that cover critical illness. And this is just one of the types, which was the hybrid term whole life plan. And all the number of cover conditions is already different. So this is one thing you, you want to take note. And you will notice that I did write something, put something there called special conditions. Uh, critical illness plans nowadays actually do have the ability to pay out in case of smaller uh, complications. So for example, critical illness plans may have the ability to pay out in the event of, say, diabetic complications, dengue fever, which traditionally you do not associate as a critical illness. So critical illness plans have evolved over the years. They cover what we call uh, special conditions now. And these are some of the factors you want to look out for when you are getting a critical illness plan. So on top of that, and this becomes fine print, um, you have to also know definitions, for example, but this is not something I actually expect the, the listeners to um, dive deep into. For, so let's, let's take a look at an example. So the plan on the left side, you can see that it covers up to... 36 plus 20, so that's 56 critical illnesses, but mm. the plan on the right, 59. Now, saying vis-a-vis, if they were the same exactly, in terms of price or that, obviously the plan on the right side wins. Then we are looking at conditions such as, um, this was a special benefit that I was mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see that the plan on the left doesn't cover as many special benefits. You, you do see the diabetic complications I mentioned there. You do see some other things like arthritis, so on and so forth. And then on the right side, you see that there's a lot more uh, scope of coverage. So, Plans can be very different, but actually to the, the man on the street, I actually don't expect them to know this. It's, it's not something that they would know because mm. they don't deal with this inside out right day to day. And then we talk about a very common one that I see. Okay, so we talk about cancer being the most common critical illness in Singapore. And uh, most people do say that, can I claim I have a cancer? Typically, I say yes if the cancer is spreading. But nowadays, you know, people go for health checkups. Medical technology has advanced. Mm-hmm. You might pick up the cancer at a very early stage. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, your cancer, your critical illness plan may not pay out because it might have been a plan that is designed only to pay when the cancer is spreading, aka late stage. So there are early critical illness plans which will pay out in the event of early stage of cancer, meaning that the cells are, for example, cancerous but haven't started spreading. But we, if you look at the screen, there's a definition here that says that, you know, carcinoma is E2, meaning um, the cell is cancerous, but this insurer has limited the uh, claim sites to basically the listed organs on the screen. But this insurer, the second one, basically doesn't limit you. So the scope wow. will, of course, be bigger. But a lot of people do not know that. And mm. um, it can make or break. For example, uh, if you had a, you detected cancer cells in a part of the body that isn't under the list of covered sites, sorry, you can't claim. But if you have the plan that says that as long as we detect growth of carcinomatous cells, meaning mm-hmm. cancerous, yeah, mm-hmm. correct. And they, you know, they don't specify where you found it as long as it's on your body, you get the claim. So there's a lot of difference there. Yeah. There's a lot of details there. Basically, you want correct. someone who can answer basic questions, coverage, number of illnesses, 
Um, and can you maybe go through a couple of dread illnesses, the common ones, and tell me the level and depth of coverage that might be useful? I'm, I'm always concerned about, you know, certain types of dread illnesses. You um, know, if I ask some of those questions, I think that might be helpful. Before, what do you have on the screen that you wanted to share, Elijah? Okay, so we have in Singapore a list of standardized critical illnesses. There's 36 of them. Mm-hmm. And those are really severe. You, have, you see things like dementia, end-stage kidney failure, things like that. Those are what we will call late-stage critical illness in today's context. Yeah, so we have a standardized list in Singapore. That helps. But of course, over time, plans evolve and insurers want to add more score coverage. Yeah. Not only to improve your coverage, but also to stand out, I guess. So you can see that there are non-standardized critical illnesses uh, as well on the screen right now. But ultimately, the thing to note is that this is just about late stage. When we talk about early stage, then it's a whole new ballgame. There are no standardizations as of this point for early stage critical illnesses. Okay. So scope-wise, I would say that a good plan of course, we'll cover the late-stage critical illnesses listed in Singapore, standardized in Singapore. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, they will probably also cover the intermediate and early stages of those critical illnesses as well. And then where possible, they will add on a bigger score of coverage that is beyond what is standardized in Singapore. That's really, in my view, an all-encompassing type of plan. Very yeah. useful, Elijah. I'm going to listen to that again, you know just for myself to use as my no own problem. benchmark. So that was terrific. Elijah Lee is Financial Services Manager, Philips Securities. We didn't have time to get into the case studies that he's prepared for us. Maybe next time. Thanks so much for joining us here on Money and Me. We've been looking at critical illness coverage. Who needs it? How do you go about choosing critical illness plans for yourself? Um, how much will you need, of course? And uh, what are some of the things that you may want to be looking out for, at least asking the person who's helping you get hold of these plans uh, for some more clarity on. So again, my thanks, Elijah Lee, Financial Services Manager, Philips Securities. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.